when living up in Atlanta now, when you describe Americus to people, how, how do you describe Americus? I describe it today as a place that uh, has great potential. Uh, I've seen a lot of changes. Uh, I'm excited now about when I come here now and I see uh, young people uh, engage a lot. I was talking to a, a friend who has a business down on the corner down here. I'm excited that they're excited about the opportunities that they see here. Mm. Um, that's very significant for me because uh, it's something that I've always wanted, I've always envisioned. Didn't question when I was here, but mm -hmm. when I actually live here, but I'm encouraged by that when I come back now and see that. That is good. There's excitement uh, and there's opportunity, I believe. Welcome to the America's Podcast, where we're learning what it means to become a next-level neighbor, creating a place we enjoy with the people that we love. Today, I am joined by Sam Mahone. Sam, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You're certainly welcome. Now, Sam is the chairman of the America's Sumter County Movement Remembered Committee. And Sam, I got a chance to, to talk with you just briefly over the phone and through email. Um, I moved here in March of last year and we did a lot of driving around. Uh, we did a little bit of some historic uh, monuments and we're trying to figure out there's so much history in Americus. And when I started asking questions, what, your name was one of the first that just kept coming up. And so just know that you've made an impact here, that mm -hmm. people value you here. And, and so I went ahead and gave you a call and you just uh, graciously said, yes, I'll come uh, and spend a little bit of time with us on the podcast. And so I would love to hear just a little bit of uh, some of the great inspirations before we kind of dive into your life. Uh, what have been some great inspirations, both in person and maybe even in writing or art that have helped you uh, kind of mold and shape the view of the world that you have? I think... Probably when I became um, uh, a high school student and I became engaged with local merchants on Cotton Avenue, which used to be at, at that time the epicenter of black commerce in America. The street was lined with black businesses. Um, and there was a gentleman by the name of Sam Weston who ran a tailor shop. His wife ran a soda shop next door on Cotton Avenue. Mr. Weston was president of the, what was called the uh, Negro Business League at that time. Uh, but he also was very concerned about community issues and he began a voter registration campaign. This was 1962. Um, Sumter County at that time had a population of, uh, uh, the population was like 52% African-American uh, and, and so it had, that advantage, but there were no registered voters. There were maybe 125 registered voters. Oh, wow. And so um, after school, I would go to Mr. Weston's shop, as many other kids would do, and he actually recruited us to canvas door-to-door, -door, getting people to read and register to vote. And that's how I became engaged in that kind of activism, and, and that uh, led to me being nurtured later on by the civil rights movement that began a year later um, in the city. 
Wow. Wow. Anyone in particular uh, from that from that stage, that movement or any uh, I, I had, we'll talk about this in just a minute. You actually had uh, an oral historic uh, interview, mm-hmm. which I thought was really, really great. In fact, mm-hmm. you can go to YouTube. You can type in Sam Mahone mm-hmm. Civil Rights. It's really, really good. It's about an hour and a half mm-hmm. or about an hour and 30 minutes uh, or less, about an hour, and three minutes, maybe really, really good. But you had described uh, just people and then um, maybe even some books that you started reading mm-hmm. at a young age. You were just like, I didn't even know mm-hmm. these existed. And these, uh, I mean, it was uh, writers. Um, yeah. It was, so tell me a little bit about maybe some of those influences as well. Um, well, in 62, Dr. King, who had been arrested in Albany, Georgia, during the Albany movement, was brought here to be jailed in the Sumter County Jail. They said it was for his protection. Uh, and that created a lot of excitement, particularly, particularly among people of my age at that time, because we heard about what had been going on in Albany, and we're intrigued about that, that those actions uh, taken on by the Albany State students. Um, shortly after that, uh, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which had been working out of Albany and throughout Southwest Georgia, decided to send some workers to Americas to expand the outreach of voter registration. It was mostly voter registration, trying to get people registered to vote. Um, and I immediately was drawn to them. Mm. And uh, what, what intrigued me for the most part was that um, most of the volunteers at SNCC were from the North. They'd come South as students to devote a year, maybe a year or two, Mm. Uh, from their studies to work in, in the civil rights movement. And with them, they brought a lot of books that I had never seen before. Of course, black history was, not, was non-existent in our schools, you know. Mm. The books we grew up with in our schools from grade school to high, through high school, we never got a new book. The books were always three or four years behind. They were torn, they were tattered, mm. pages were missing. And that's what we, so we knew as students that by the time we graduated, we were two years behind, probably. Wow. Um, but that's, that's the condition that, that existed at that time. So uh, they brought books by authors like James Baldwin, you know, um, uh, all kinds of artists that we, that we had never heard of before, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so um, we resonated toward them. Uh, I mean, those books resonated with us. And there was what they call a sneak house, the, the offices for these civil rights workers. Okay. And we would go to those houses in the evening after we got out of school and see these books. And we would uh, study them and look at them. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, one of the things when we talk about uh, the podcast, we talk about uh, the idea of neighboring well together, this idea mm-hmm. of becoming a next level neighbor. And, and we want to figure out what those values are, because mm-hmm. th- if the values are there, they'll be expressed in some way. And one of the values that I've just noticed in just listening to your, uh, your, your history and your story are things like sacrifice, diligence, mm-hmm. determination. Mm-hmm. The, these are needed for even today in our daily life, interactions with one another as things become more hostile uh, mm-hmm. or you know, where we kind of find ourselves kind of locked into our phones and into our computers yeah. and not locked into, oh, we have a neighbor that's next to us. What are they engaged in? And so yeah. you, have to, you have to be intentional if you're going to be a good neighbor, if you're going to be um, uh, working toward
towards uh, reconciliation, if you're going to be working towards um, mm-hmm. some form of uh, of this movement. And so I, I love the fact that you have uh, this determination in your story. It's encouraging mm-hmm. to me. Um, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about that as you kind of share a little bit about who you are growing up. But that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I just it was so encouraging to me. I read a book called The Infinity Game, where it's it's the idea is it's not about the wins and losses, but mm-hmm. it's about surviving the game. It's mm-hmm. about staying in the game as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed that about your story mm-hmm. is there's a lot of wins, there's a lot of losses, mm-hmm. but the idea wasn't that. It was we're going to keep going no matter what. And so mm-hmm. share share a little bit about your your story growing up, kind of your family dynamics and kind of how you got to be a part of uh, of a movement like this. Yeah. Uh, you know, growing up here, uh, it was there's certain things that you 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 just grow up with and you don't question, you know, because that's how things were. But uh we knew, and as African Americans in this town, we knew that there were the conditions were not right, and so we, we we this was informed by how we reacted to how our parents reacted uh, to circumstances around the city, and uh, it was just a, a, a period of where the conditions were just black and white in terms of of. of what my parents were able to do, what my neighbors, what I saw them doing, and what they were not able to do. Uh, the system was was set up so that uh, we knew that we were um, lived a life of second class citizenship, and but that we we felt that uh, at some point uh, when the civil rights movement came here, we felt at least that there was an option for us to do some things. Uh, to, to better our situation. Uh, that's what really informed me initially to get involved and engage, uh, to care about the things around me, not only around me, but but to, to make sure that uh, uh, I wasn't just concerned about my own condition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, were you so kind that, of a, a curious person? Were you an extrovert, introvert, kind of growing up? Kind of what was... What was going on in your mind and your heart just during that time, just kind of growing up? Well, as as a kid, you know, you 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 know, you see right away how the two tiered system, how it was, uh, how uh, when you would go downtown and how um, the class system and race and class was mm-hmm. was 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 something that was always present. Uh, and so even though you didn't fight it at that time, um, uh, you just felt that, that something wasn't quite right. So when the opportunity came from somebody came and said that we can change this by, mm-hmm. uh, becoming more engaged in the political process, then I gravitated toward that, um, because I, there was no singular instance that that got me in, engaged in in, in in the movement, but it was just a combination mm-hmm. of things of having to grow up in a system that you saw you could see these inequities, yeah, but you felt hopeless that you couldn't do anything about it, and you felt that way because of how your parents uh, lived, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and how um, they would talk to you and tell you that you know this is the way it is. Uh, you can't change it, um, and and uh, uh, but as a kid, you know, you you grow up, and you after you've internalized these things, 
you recognize oh, that there is something that can be done, there's something better. And we just needed that push of mm. somebody that, that, um, that came in and say that there is another way. Wow. So that informed me in terms of, 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 of how I should lead my life in terms of how I should not just look out for myself, but to look out for uh, yeah. my community and the people around me. Yeah, so there's to make it better. There's a time where internally you are experiencing that and you're trying to wrestle with how much uh, you should give yourself to this and then you've got that moment in time where you said, okay, this is this is the this is the road that I'm going to travel. Mm-hmm. And you had people coming in and, and coming out, you had organizations coming in and coming mm-hmm. out. Were were there certain markers cuz I, I think even as as young people, I mean, I'm I'm 38, I'm no longer as young as I want to be um but you know 25 year old 20 year olds they're probably in that moment too where they're like okay i see that there's something Mm -hmm. but it does take time to and constant engagement of other people Mm -hmm. pouring into their lives were there certain markers that you noticed that that were just helpful to you to say i went from knowing that there was something that i needed to do and actually doing it Mm -hmm. were were there certain things that you can uh, share with us well i think when when I became engaged in that one-on-one contact, going to door-to-door, working with people, uh, and and having these conversations with people, I got to see just how um, uh, how much they wanted change, but felt powerless to do anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what has driven me uh, from that point to today. I mean, that's. Uh, uh, that's been my commitment, and even though I've done other things uh, in terms of of, of, of work, and uh, this has been been part of my my my. Uh, this is what I've been. Um, I feel is has been my my mission in life, is to go ahead and try and do what I can do to make the situation better for people, uh, and to to make those uh, changes, mm-hmm. um, that will uplift people. Yes. And to make that and to uh, uh, empower them. And yeah, so. that's good. Well, if, if people haven't heard your story, they may hear this and go, okay, but what, what kind of maybe challenges as you've moved into uh, being a part of change, making a difference? And I've, mm-hmm. I've used this on the podcast a few times. You can, you, in this world, you can make a point or you can make a difference. And normally mm-hmm. people make a point by putting something just on Facebook and they're mm-hmm. just kind of, it's like a rant. It's, it's, it, it's words, and even though it may be truthful, they're personally not engaged in it enough mm-hmm. uh, relationally to see that actually come to fruition. And so, um, so I always encourage people: don't just make a point, mm-hmm. make a difference. That that requires sacrifice. It requires mm-hmm. sitting down. It requires working. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when I hear your story, you're not just making points. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are part of making a difference here in Americus. Mm-hmm. And so what are some, what were some obstacles? What were some uh, forms of, uh, of just huge pushback, maybe from the city or anything like that, mm-hmm. so that people can kind of hear your story a little bit on this podcast and go, yeah, he, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Well, once I became engaged uh, in the movement, uh, and I was part of the first demonstration here at the Martin Theater, which used to be the local theater here, and... Uh, when I got arrested, uh, along with 11 other people, um, we were bailed out the next day on probation. What I didn't recognize was that being on probation, if you got arrested again, you would have to, you couldn't be bailed out, you had to serve that time. So I was arrested again one week later, 
and uh, I was, had a 90-day probation period. So they immediately put us in the city prison. And uh, uh, we initially decided we were not going to work. We felt we hadn't done anything wrong. Um, we simply tried to buy tickets at the front window of the Martin Theater, mm. and we would deny that and arrest it. Um, when we resisted work, um, they put us in a hole in this Sumter County uh, courthouse. And it was at that point uh, in that hole, in that darkness, uh, we recognized that there were people who were willing to literally destroy us because we wanted to be treated equally. Mm. And I think that that's what molded me more than anything else, that when I got out of that hole that I would be, uh, mm. that would be part of my uh, DNA to, to to uh, continue to fight for, for equal rights and equal justice in America and, and hope that that somehow would, would, would uh, help the struggle which is going on around the country at that time. Um, that's never left me. I always tell people, mm-hmm. even though I don't live here, I, 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 uh, I don't live in America, but America lives in me. I was informed by the struggle that I, that I had, was engaged in here. Yes. That's why I'm still on this mission that I am now. Uh, but it's not about me. It's about the next generation. It's always about the next generation because I stand on the shoulders of those people like Sam Weston mm. of the Negro Business League who informed me and cared enough about me to take me in and tell, teach me that there was something more important than trying to get to the next school teen dance or yeah. the next soda fountain, you know, and what have you. And that stayed with me to this day. So how do you go from being involved in, in this movement, knowing, I mean, like, like you just said, how do you, how, how do you just try to l- find a career and do those types of things when you know uh, the struggle that's taking place and all the obstacles? I mean, what, what did your life look like after that? I mean, did you go, did you, you go to college? What, what, what was your thought process? What did you want to do um, to be a part of this movement? Yeah. Um, um, I, of course, when I, 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 I later on went to, uh, uh, when I graduated high school, um, I went to Tougaloo College, okay. uh, and I had planned a major in sociology. Uh, I left there uh, after a couple of years, and uh, I had to, I went to work, you know, and I started work at the Department of Archives and History and Restoration, Paper Restoration. How did you uh, how did you find that that job? Well, that's interesting because when I worked in America during the Civil Rights Movement, there was a local attorney, Ben Fortson, a white attorney, who became uh, 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 a supporter of the of, of 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 the movement in a sense. He was the brother of the then Secretary of State Ben Fortson. Okay. Warren Fortson had an office not too far from here. Uh, when you talk to Robertina, she'll tell you more about him because uh, he was the attorney that defended her in court wow. at one point. And for that, he was run out of town. He was run out of America's. Uh, I think Warren is still alive. He was in Atlanta. You know, I think he's still with us, I believe. Um, but uh, there were people like that who, who uh, stepped out of the shadows and risked their lives as well here, mm-hmm. who uh, uh, he was at one point became a mentor 
to people in the city, African-Americans in the city. Uh, and uh, from that point, he, uh, he did a lot of work and uh, represented uh, African-Americans in court. And, uh, but he was actually running out of town later on. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Wow. So, okay, so now you're, you're working in the archives. Um, what, what's your life like then? I mean, what are, what are you thinking about? Where, where are you going? Well, the way I got there was that uh, Ben Forson, who was Secretary of State, the Department of Archives is under his division. And so uh, I was at Tougaloo at college, and uh, Warren Forson had come there to speak. And so um, he asked me what I was going to be doing, and uh, I said, well, I'm going to be leaving school because I need to go find work. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford to stay there. So uh, he said, well, go by my brother's office, Ben Fortson. And uh, so I went there when I came back to Atlanta, and he sent me to the archives, and I was hired as a, as a uh, uh, they put me in a program uh, to learn how to do paper restoration. Mm-hmm. And so I became a conservator, paper rest- restoration. And I did that for about uh, 13 years. Wow. Uh, but at the same time, I became engaged in uh, political activity in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. There were... Uh, the engagement that I had started in here, that stayed with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were things going on in Atlanta in terms of uh, worker strikes, workers trying to organize for better wages and what have you. I became engaged in that. Uh, I had been, while at Tougaloo, I had been um, uh, an advocate for resistance to the Vietnam War. Okay. In fact, Tougaloo College was the only African-American college in the country at that time that had built a resistance movement against the war in Vietnam. And so I became part of that movement. So the activism that started here stayed with me in different causes wherever I was, even though I was holding down a nine to five job, I mean, this is like the archives. Absolutely. Uh, But that activism uh, continued. Yeah. And and it always led me back here in terms of of, of what was happening here throughout the state and what have you. I was always concerned about what was happening in South Georgia. South Georgia was, to me, was the gem of the South of, you know, I mean, was, uh, yeah. it was home, you know. And so I always cared about what was going on here, politically and socially. Wow. Well, what, one of the things that I, I think about a lot is there are a lot of organizations, there's a lot of boards, and there's a lot of things that uh, want to get off the ground. And it seems that you've been a part of a lot of things that have not just formulated and discussed and became like, you know, just a, a brainchild for different things, but mm-hmm. being actually seeing things take place because it, it does take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. What are what are some key elements that you see in an organization that helps them get from an idea to an actual action that that helps produce the results that they're looking for? Well, I think people, first of all, have to be motivated, you know, and uh, I think uh, when, 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 whatever the, the, uh, the objective is, when, when those objectives are laid out, uh, then I think that, 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 that people can, can really uh, chart their way in terms of how they can contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been my, my whole uh, 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 the way that I've been able to to to, to navigate the, the, uh, that is to make sure that we know what to try to anticipate what's coming down the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, but first of all, you have to really be to, uh, commit to the purpose of 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 what it is that you 
you know, you begin to, that, yeah. that, road, you be, that road you begin to travel. And, uh, um, yeah. That's really good. That's really good. I, I heard a, a few years ago, and I've used it a few times, this phrase, clarity is kindness. Mm-hmm. And when you're trying to get people from one point to the next, um, you know, you have this, leaders always have been to that point, mm-hmm. and their job is to come back and lead the way mm-hmm. through the, you know, through the, through the path. Mm-hmm. And got to have a strong vision. It's got to be clear. And then you, you need some, some goals that are achievable at the ground level. You know, it's, if, it's too, if it's too lofty up here, people yeah. don't know how to grab it. And so your job is to try to make it as clear as possible. Here, here's how you can participate yeah. in that. And most importantly, being able to listen, because, you know, you want to get those perspectives from people around you as well. Yeah. And, uh, but that's, that, to me, is, is, a, is a key thing. That's beautiful. To be able to listen. Because when people begin to share a vision, they begin to get inspired by the same exactly. thing and engage. And then when results do take place, people then the people that have been on the outside are like, "Oh, yeah. oh, there's something there." And yeah. then they start to start to engage. And yeah. and that's always hard with leadership and and doing something is you're always putting yourself out there first. Yeah. And 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 if people can see you go through that, um, they'll be maybe more inclined to be a part of that. Um, yeah. But it's it's hard at the initial pieces yeah. of it. One of the challenges we challenges we face is that, as veterans of the civil rights movement, um, many of us have transitioned, you know, and so we recognize how important it is to engage this generation mm. of people. To um, yes, one of the things that we talked about at Georgia Southwestern recently, uh, and I've been very very um, excited about. Uh, there are some professors that I've met like. Professor Kutzler, uh, Susan Bragg, you know, uh, who put on this symposium with the students, and in, they're engaging their students in, in struggles that are going on today. And I was very encouraged by that. Um, and my, my whole, when I begin to speak to, to this generation now, is that I talk to them about we've come full circle in that in terms of the things that we fought 50, 60 years ago, we're having to, to revisit those same mm. struggles. Uh, and I actually thank them for uh, the last, the most recent election, mm-hmm. because I think that we're in a very, uh, again, we're in a very, very precarious, dangerous moment in this country, mm. where we're going to need another generation of activists to take up the struggle mm. uh, that exists today. And in many ways, it's more dangerous than it was 50, 60 years ago. Mm. Uh, uh, we have been threatened. The, the Voting Rights Act, which was passed 50, 60 years ago, is almost been has almost been um, shredded, mm. and uh, we have politicians now who are willing to completely do away with it. Uh, women's rights, all of these things are back on the on the front burner, mm-hmm. and I think that's because we get past certain issues and we think that we think we've solved them all, mm-hmm. but we've never had. Uh, uh, reconciliation in this country in terms of the race question in this country. And so we tend to revisit those same struggles over and over again. Um, but until we do that, we will continue to do that. Yeah. So that's why I think it's more important now, the struggle now is more important now, that people who have become complacent need to come, have to come out of that mm-hmm. and become engaged once again in this country. Yeah, I, I, it's critical. This is one of the reasons why we even started this podcast is because 
Uh, I have mentioned a few times that we have forgotten how to people. We, we forgot that we're, we're not just here to be transactional, yeah. but we're actually here to be relational, and that the more and more of the idea that we truly care for one another will multiply in such a way that it will make even larger impacts um, in the world around us. And I think um, you talked about your, your conversation with young students. I would love to hear, because I mean, students right now, from what I understand, and, and I'm a part of it too, is social media didn't exist 50 years ago. Um, the amount of information, the amount of uh distractions, let's just say, from everyday events, or maybe too much of uh, a distraction in a particular area of the world, but not locally, yeah. because local impact is huge. Um, so, so when you're talking with students, A, how are, they, how are they initially, well, let me say it this way. Number one, what is your message to the students, uh, to the young generation? Uh, and then we'll kind of get into kind of how are they responding to that and Things like that. So, yeah. So, kind of what is your message to the... Well, the message is uh, become engaged, you know. Um, it's not enough to go and, 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 and to an institution for four years and, and just think only of your career, your own career path, where you're going to go from there. But uh, look at the conditions around you. If not around you, then your neighbors. Uh, someone who... It, it, uh, it's different from you, mm, you know. Yeah. And uh, but pay attention to those things and become engaged and try to become a vessel in terms of how you're going to try to impact that person's life positively. Yes. Um, and so that's the message that I give. Uh, I, I try to talk a lot about uh, when I come back here, for instance, to Americas. I know it's been a lot of progress, you know. Um, but I'm still concerned about a school system that's pretty much as segregated as it was 50 years ago. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I recall when, when people like Robertina first enrolled at America's High, the four students that, that, that broke that barrier, and immediately uh, the Southland Academy opened up. Mm. And I don't, I'm not sure how many, if there are other private institutions now, but uh, school integration was fought viscerously, you know? Yeah. And um, so that concerns me that, that, that there's a new high school out here now. It's a beautiful facility, mm-hmm. state-of-the-art, you know, uh, it's beautiful, but it's probably 95% African-American, I believe, something mm-hmm. like that. I could be mistaken, but I think that's pretty much... Uh, so... Uh, it, it's troubling to me that we aren't, that cl- the races aren't that closer together, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I think those are things that, issues that still have to be dealt with. It troubles me that we still have a Confederate statute over in Reese Park here. Okay. It's on the grounds there. It troubles me that Bethesda Baptist Church, which is one of the historic churches here that we had mass meetings, civil rights mass meeting, mm-hmm. is still named after... Uh, uh, Forrest, who, um, um, Forrest Street, Forrest okay. Avenue, okay, who was one of the fi- leaders of the Ku Klux Klan, mm. you know, who actually led a, a massacre of 400 African-American uh, 
uh, Union soldiers. Wow. They had been captured and he massacred them. So this, these remnants that, we, that uh, people still tend to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, 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 and that's what I mean about um, the reconciliation that's never, that's never been, this country's never had one. Like mm-hmm. South Africa, for instance, that, mm-hmm. that when apartheid came down, there was this whole period of, 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 of the races coming together uh, and, and, and just owning what had happened in the, in the country and then all of a sudden deciding that they're going to reconcile and do something about it. That's never happened in America. Mm-hmm. What we tend to do is, is uh, you know, we'll pass a Civil Rights Act, we'll pass a Voting Rights Act, mm-hmm. and then 50 years down the road, we have forces now in this country who are prepared to go to a race war. Mm. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's real. And, uh, and so, and why is that? Because we haven't had that that union or reunion. Uh, when you look at, I never could have imagined that um, since uh, Brown versus Board, we now have people in this country who want to shut down libraries, ban books, mm-hmm. and 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 attack school board members who want to be more open and more diverse in the studies that their children get. But that's happening today, you know, and, and so uh, that's something everyone should be concerned about. Mm-hmm. It's a very dangerous time in this country, and, and that's why I think that it's, it's more important now for people to become engaged and not become complacent, uh, go to a school and get a degree and then move on and just chart your own career path, and that's it. Uh, it's... Uh, it's a recipe for more strife mm. uh, and, and and more uh, more turmoil in in the, in the country. So, how, how do you feel like the students are are receiving that message? Uh, do they feel uh, like they're? Do you feel like they're becoming I think engaged? They've, they've been very receptive. Yeah. In fact, uh, uh, there are some people uh, who have volunteered time. There's a couple of people uh, uh, who've volunteered to help us do oral interviews, oral history interviews. Um, you know, in my generation, we're not as up on the technology and social media and what have you, so we need people to help us navigate that whole process, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, getting our word out uh, on social media platforms. Um, and so we need these young people to come in yeah. to guide us, you know. And so, and we have something for each other, I think. Mm. We have their youth, we have their ingenuity, we have that lived experience, and we want to try to mesh those two together so yeah. that we can sort of work together. Let's get down the barrier of a generation. Yeah, what, uh, you had kind of mentioned or alluded to some, some form of there are, there are things to, be, to, to celebrate as in your life personally or just as a movement is concerned. You know, when, when you get together, you say, look, there's a lot of things that we're going to be working on. Yeah. Let's celebrate some of the things that we have. What are some things that you feel like, just personally or professionally, that you get to share as far as the celebration is concerned, uh, as, as an encouragement to you to keep also moving forward? Uh, I'm sorry. I missed the just point. a form of celebration, like a personal celebration of your own life and life experiences and mm-hmm. going, you know, we're, I'm a part of this movement. Um, I've got some personal celebrations or just like professional or collective celebrations. Just like, hey, we get a chance to look back and say, we're still going forward. But here go some things that we're, we're thankful for, so, and it helps us to motivate us to keep going. Yeah. Uh, 
there's so much work to be done, I think. And, uh, but I think that we can always, we can always be encouraged by, by uh, what we personally think we have to offer in terms of, of, of getting, uh, making things better. Um, that's what I try to instill in, in, in younger people, uh, that there's a lot of work to be done and it can be done if we just pull ourselves together and 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 and, and see the task ahead and and, and move on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you had even mentioned that uh, before uh, voter registration became a big deal here. You mm-hmm. said it was like less than two hundred people registered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and obviously, again, there there's there's more to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that as you guys were engaging in that for the first time, people felt as if they can engage in the political system. And there, there was a little bit of excitement and, and, um, and, and seeing that, you know, it's a part of the process is let's continue to get people involved. Yeah. Yeah, They move from, from being able to register to vote to running their own candidates. That was always the goal. You have someone like, uh, uh, Juanita Wilson, who was jailed with their sister in Leesburg, Mm who became the principal of the high school that yeah. we're not allowed to go to. You know? That is so, amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, you have those, those victories that, mm-hmm. that uh, you can point to mm-hmm. and, 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 and show people what happens as a result of your activism, as a result yes. of you yes. caring about the conditions that you, you, you came under. And I just, I just interviewed Sheriff Eric Bryant, uh, and just seeing from that, from yeah. the the people that are putting you in prison to now, yeah. I'm the sheriff of the county. Yeah. Uh, those are th- those are things to to look back on and go, wow, like, yeah. okay, there there is movement here, yeah. and we can continue to, to to move forward. Yeah, there there are always instances. Uh, the sheriff at the time was was Fred Chapel, and I believe it was Martin Luther King who called him the meanest man in the world after he was jailed there that weekend. Well, years later, when I was working at the State Archives, uh, I had become engaged in the theater in Atlanta, uh, and I met Sheriff Chapel's son. Wow. He's in theater. Um, and uh, attended a couple of parties, theater people with him. Totally different person. So having, it was, at the time it was hard for me to, to understand how he came out the way he did. Mm-hmm. Very progressive, mm-hmm. uh, cared about social issues, you know, mm-hmm. uh, had no problems with, with, with uh, mixing with people of different races, you know. Yeah. And here this guy's chef was, was, he abused us yeah. at that time, wow. you know. Wow. And so we had conversations about it. That was reconciliation. Yeah. For yeah, us. I was about to say, how was that just you know? for you and for him? Yeah. And uh, I don't know where he is now, but this was during the uh, mid-70s, I would say. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to meet him. Wow. That's amazing. Um, so let me ask you this. So uh, you talked about uh, just, again, encouraging uh, younger people to engage. What are some, what are some practical ways that... Uh, that you, I think you had mentioned some of them, but uh, what are some practical ways where people can engage right now with what you're working on? We are, what we're doing now is trying to create a civil rights and cultural center with the, with the uh, uh, project, with the, what was known as America's Colored Hospital. Okay. Uh, in that facility, we envision having, uh, we've been collecting documentation for the past decade, actually. Uh, 
photographs, papers, documents, uh, conducting some oral histories and what have you. Uh, we want to create a gallery space to, to uh, show these documents. Uh, but we'll also have a permanent collection gallery that would bring in local artists to show their work. Wow. Um, we are planning to have programming that in, engages in uh, poetry, writing, creative writing, um, theatrical performances. The amphitheater will be for performances as well as yeah. teaching behind the center. We will actually have a room that's going to be a clinic that's going to kind of duplicate what the hospital did initially. Oh, wow. Uh, it'll actually be facilitated and it'll be staffed that community can come in and have uh, their blood pressure check, mm. you know, vital signs and what have you, things like that. Uh, and I mentioned the community garden, which will be there as well, behind the center. Uh, it'll have a library. Mm-hmm. During the Civil Rights Movement, when we couldn't go to the local library, we engaged students from around from the north in other cities to send books to Americas. Mm-hmm. We wound up with a collection of about 8,000 books wow. through those efforts, and we set up a library there. Uh, we had a freedom school, a freedom center, okay. operated by the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and we taught literacy classes there, taught people how to passed the literacy test in order to be able to register to vote. It was also a place where we, uh, meetings were centered around strategy for working in the community, whether it would be voter registration, canvassing, and what have mm-hmm. you, or whether it would be um, arranging for people to be picked up to yeah. take them down to the courthouse to register. Um, and just where the activity would be. Mm-hmm. So these things will be, uh, yeah. we, we're going to have a theater. We didn't know there was a, a bottom level to that building until we got inside. Okay. There's actually a small basement, which will be a theater. And we're going to be showing film, uh, showing some of the documentaries, mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, the oral history that people have been have agreed to do. That's amazing. It, so it'll be a center that will uh, be fully active and interactive, in a sense. Well, I, I had heard about this. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted you to be a guest, and we're really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question about the, uh, well, number one, when did the America's Colored Hospital close officially? And then uh, when, did, when did the organization get the rights to be able to kind of move forward in something like a museum okay. or, or things like okay. that? The, the hospital operated from 1923 to 1953. Okay. And during that time, when it opened, it was the only uh, facility in southwest Georgia that trained African-American doctors, treated the patients, trained midwives and nurses. Uh, so it closed in uh, 53, and in 55, it was purchased by a group of women called okay. the City Federation of Colored Women's Club. Okay, okay. They are an affiliate of the National uh, Colored Women's Club, which was founded in D.C. in 19, I'm sorry, 1887. Okay, okay. One of the founding members was Phyllis Wheatley. And so their motto has always been lifting as we climb. Mm. And uh, that organization consisted of five or six individual clubs who came together 
and okay. formed this federation. And it was to preserve it uh, or to re- they, restart it? They, they, what they wanted to do and what they did was they opened, they purchased the building uh, for $8,000 and okay. Citizens Bank over here were mm-hmm. the ones who financed that. Okay. They paid $3,000 down, mm-hmm. the bank financed the rest, and they opened up a nursery uh, and daycare center okay. for working women. And uh, so uh, they hired a local pastor who happened to be a carpenter mm-hmm. who sort of converted it from the hospital and, yeah. you know, and converted it into a, a center. And uh, so they were the ones who managed it, uh, paid all the bills. And there was a boys and girls club at one time. Uh, one time there was a food pantry there for the community. Wow. So they had all these different initiatives as mm-hmm. they continued. Uh, there, there are not that many members now. Uh, many of them have transitioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so in 2018, we had been looking for a place uh, to uh, that would possibly be a, a facility that we could house our documents and create a center. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we came together, and uh, after several di- talks and discussion with them, uh, we signed a hundred-year lease with them for one dollar. Wow! And uh, we pledged that we would be used for nothing else other than the Civil Rights and Cultural Center, which mm-hmm. they agreed to. We signed a memo of understanding, memorandum of understanding, and uh, uh, and so when this was twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. And that was the same year we applied for a grant to rehabilitate the building okay. from the National Park Service under their Civil Rights uh, African American Preservation Grants Program. Okay. And uh, we got our first grant in 2019. You apply one year and then grants are announced the next yep. year. Yeah. Uh, that was 500000 The next year we applied again. Mm-hmm. We were awarded another 500000 the next year. We missed out on the third year, but on the f- fourth year we got another 500000 So yes. we're at a million and a half now. Wow. But it's going to take much more to uh, mm-hmm. complete the job and do what we want to do with the building itself. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, do you, I, I had an additional question. In 53, when it closed, is it, was there a reason why it closed? Uh in 50, they built a new hospital. Okay. The new hospital, which was at in the Jefferson That's Street. That's the one that the tornado got. Is that the one you're talking yeah. about? Okay. And uh, so they closed that, the, the colored hospital because they had been receiving some funds from the city. Uh, I got to say that uh, one of the biggest supporters for the colored hospital was the what was then called the Junior uh, Welfare League. Okay. It's now the Junior Service League. And uh, this was a, was a white group, and 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 uh, as amazing as it sounds, they had a integrated board at that time, uh, and they did a tremendous job in terms of helping the hospital stay open and what have you. Uh, the uh, the woman who was the uh, uh, financial officer was uh, name was Lillian. Uh, <coughs> Dudley, mm-hmm. who herself had two sons who were doctors, who were physicians here, and uh, she kept the books for the hospital and literally kept it running. Wow! Uh, she 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 ran a tight ship there, uh, and so when it closed, the black doctors who worked there 
were not allowed to go to. The new hospital had what they built. They built a colored wing on the back of the hospital mm. for black folk. But the, the doctors could not practice there. They were not allowed to practice there. So what happened was that they had to leave town to find work. And because of that, it devastated what had, been, what had become a growing black middle class. Mm-hmm. In other words, you had these black physicians in, in, in the city who supported other black businesses like the ones on Cotton Avenue. Mm. In other words, whereas a dollar might have uh, turned over once, to, when they had this episode of black commerce and you had this growing back middle class, mm-hmm. the dollar turned over five or six times in our community. Wow. And so people were beginning to thrive a little bit. But when they left, uh, they kind of broke down that growing black mm-hmm. middle class. It devastated it. Wow. And, uh, and so uh, that still resonates today. Mm. If at one point in time, Forsyth Street had these huge Victorian homes like the ones kind of you see over in Reese Park, mm-hmm. blacks on both sides of the street. Um, and you had a, 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 a bustling Cod Avenue epicenter of black commerce, you know. So um, uh, it, it closed down hmm. because of that. And uh, it took a long time for, this, for the community to recover from that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, coming back to the current um, the vision for it. Uh, you had mentioned a community garden, and uh, you were mentioning that at the time there was also a, a garden for people to come and, right. and and pick. I mean, that's just that's just amazing. That's just encouraging to know that uh, as people walk through this upcoming museum, that they're mm-hmm. going to be able to participate. They're going to be able to to see the stories and engage in with with that. And so I'm really looking forward to that yeah. uh, um, and really looking forward to taking my children through it and letting them experience it. Um, well, uh, go yeah, ahead. We also anticipate having uh, traveling exhibitions come through as well uh, that could possibly be on loan Okay. so that we get a diverse range of things that uh, keeps it, the exhibitions constantly changing. There'll be a permanent exhibition there. That's right. Okay. But we also will have a traveling exhibition space as well. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, well, like I said, there, there's a lot of history here, um, and you you kind of have to, to to get the stories from the individuals. Um, mm-hmm. But doing things like this helps to just continue to to, yeah. to spread out and, and let people know um, how important America's is mm-hmm. to America history. Um, so uh, I was going to ask another question about um, this the the project uh, with the students you'd mentioned that they can be a part of that in some way. Yeah, is that just financially, or is it just uh, getting the word out, or is it volunteering? What could they do? Uh, all of that. Okay. Uh, financially volunteering. Volunteering is key at this point in time. Mm. Uh, people who uh, do all kinds of. Uh, we need people in. Uh, who, as I mentioned before, in terms of of. Uh, who can write, mm-hmm. who can do writing, um, people who can engage in uh, 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 the social media platforms, mm-hmm. um, grant writing. Um, we just need a, people 
young people to, to engage in a whole yeah. host of activities. Yeah, absolutely. That can help. Absolutely. We want them to know that they can participate and they can contribute at whatever level. Yeah. Yes, yes. And mm -hmm. I, I'm really encouraged. One of our first interviews was at the, actually it was the first interview was Miss Raven Payne and she had mentioned, you know, just some of the initiatives that she had started of mm -hmm. trying to keep people that are here, mm -hmm. uh, keep people investing here, keep people mm -hmm. engaged here, that yeah. you know, the college students that come from here, the high school students that, that yeah. are here. Um from from what I understand, I, I think Mr. Walton, Walter Knighton mentioned that I think ninety five percent uh graduation rate in mm -hmm. Americas. And so there are a lot of young intelligent men mm -hmm. and women that could come in here, yeah. continue to invest here, uh, like you said, for for the betterment of the community. Um, and so, yeah, c go and, you know, uh, maybe go to college, you know, but then come back here and continue mm -hmm. to invest in here in mm -hmm. some way. Or with technology now, you can do some off-site off yeah. things as well. Uh, so I was going to ask you, when living up in Atlanta now, when you describe Americas to people, how do you describe Americas? Um. I describe it today as a place that uh, has great potential. Uh, I've seen a lot of changes. Uh, some things uh, have remained the same, but I've seen a lot of changes in terms. I'm excited now about when I come here now and I see uh, young people uh, engage a lot. You know, um, I was talking to a, a friend who has a business down on the corner down here. Uh, and uh, I'm excited that they're excited about the opportunities that they see here. Mm. Um, that's that's uh, that's very significant for me because uh, it's something that I've always wanted, I've always envisioned. Didn't question when I was here, but mm -hmm. when I actually like live here. But I'm encouraged by that when I come back now and see that. That is good. There's excitement uh, and there's opportunity. I believe. I'm really excited about the new school out here that mm -hmm. I had a chance to visit. Uh, and uh, it's like a small college campus. Yeah, you know? it looks, and, it looks yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, 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 I'm thinking that out of that, it's going to be very, very uh, uh, um, helpful for the city itself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, um, as far as when we look at to the future of America's next 5, 10, 15 years, uh, what is, I mean, if we, I like to pitch it this way, if, if resources weren't an option, what are some things that you would love to see, kind of vision casting, what are some things you would love to see in America's as it relates to whether it's businesses, whether it's uh, perception, whether it's relationships, what would mm -hmm. be some things that uh, you would love to see in the next 10, 15 years? Uh I think most of the relationships, and uh, of course, I want to be able to see the, the the city continue to flourish with the businesses, new businesses. One of the things that we anticipate that will happen with the center that we're envisioning is that uh, it's not only going to be good for Americans, but for the entire southwest Georgia area. It's going to be another cultural base, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been impressed by what is uh, uh taking place with the cultural bureau uh, in terms of the uh, how they've been actually promoting the city. Mm. Uh, I understand that several new businesses have re relocated here in the last several months. And uh, so we want to be a part of that, part of that, that, uh, that, that brings in uh, new thought, new ways of doing things, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and just being a creative force for the city itself. 
And that I think is going to inform people and bring people more people into the city. Yeah. Um, that's the thing that 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 I'm I'm really centered on in terms of my vision for the center and the vision of most people who work on the committee. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, so I like to ask a question. Um, it's kind of a threefold question. Mm-hmm. It's you know it, when we see a vision, uh, we see kind of that future. Um, I like to ask three questions. Number one, uh, in order to see that future take place, what are some things that we need to start doing? What are some things that we need to stop doing? <laughs> and what are some things that we need to never stop doing? Um, and that's just, that again, just kind of put some handrails onto mm-hmm. this vision that you have. So mm-hmm. is there anything in particular that you could think of? Yeah, we need to start doing this. We need yeah. to stop doing that. Yeah. And we need to never stop doing this. Yeah. Uh, first of all, putting ourselves in the other person's place, you know, mm-hmm. and, and seeing uh, other people's situation uh, and, 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 and always trying to be creative about ways that people can be engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a lot of forces today that, that are kind of tearing us apart in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if, if we can just... Sit Concentrate on the positive things that we can do to uplift each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we can do that, then I think that uh, it's going to be that's going to bring in those positive forces into uh, our lives personally and in, in the people's lives around us. I think. Um, um, I think that's the key in terms yeah. of, of 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 just being able to uh, be positive about what you want to see and make sure that uh, you draw those people towards you, try mm-hmm. to uh, bring those positive people into your, your life, you know. And um, um, I think that's going to bode well for a city that's going to be able to uh, uh, bring in people who will be able to share that vision, you know, and to yeah. uh, um, make it a city better for everybody. That's awesome. Like I said at the beginning, the the values of you know diligence and um, the idea of just continuing to move forward, not slowing down, um, uh, just being there for the long game. I think you know if we mm-hmm. can just continue to do that and see. Hey, listen, you know we want to see wins. We don't mm-hmm. like seeing losses, but no matter what happens, we're just going to keep mm-hmm. moving uh, forward. We want to be diligent. Um, and so thank you for that. Like, thank you for that part of your story. Um, it reminds me, I mean, even something as small as my, my daughter today, she, she built a bridge for her class. It was one of these, you know, science kind of things. Mm-hmm. And she built a bridge that immediately fell apart. And one of the students, the other students said, you know, oh, it's, it's not going to make it. And, mm-hmm. and so when I saw her today, she was in tears, be- yeah. not only because her bridge didn't make it, but because people were being, comment, yeah. you know, being rude to her. Yeah. And I just told her, I said, baby, her name is Jessa. I said, Jessa, um, we, ha- we are a family that takes risks. Mm-hmm. And anytime you do something for the first time, you're going to blow it. You're mm-hmm. not going to do well because you don't know what you're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but we can't be afraid to take risks. Yeah. We can't be afraid to fail because failure is a part of the process of learning how to do it mm-hmm. right. And so, uh, again, thank you so much for continuing to take risks, engaging in this community, uh, and doing it in a way that, again, builds relationships. Uh, again, with a world and a society and sometimes social media that's constantly trying to tear us apart. Yeah. You know, the more and more we have conversations like this, 
it builds this trust that we can move forward together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. So as we kind of like land the plane, some of the things that we do at the very end of the podcast is just ask, ask some kind of rapid fire questions just to get to know you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just only have a few here, but if you wouldn't mind, I know that you're into art. Uh, and so is there any particular pieces of art that you just really enjoy uh, that help motivate you or that you've just, uh, or maybe a piece of art that you thought you would never see, but you got a chance to see maybe in person yeah. or with that? Uh, well, let me back up a minute. Because yeah, go ahead. I got up, I, when I left the, uh, while I was working at the State Archives, I began to, I was drawn toward toward art. I lived in a community southwest Atlanta uh, that was a very uh, cultural-oriented community where you had writers, uh, painters, and drummers, music people who made music. And we had this huge festival each year in the community. And uh, I had... uh, I skipped the part where I had been drafted into the military, you know, <laughs> and while that, I was yeah. in the military, I picked up a camera. Okay. And so uh, when I came back um, to Atlanta, I was always moved by images, you know. Mm. I think that sort of something that spilled over from the civil rights movement because we always, we were propelled by images in the movement, mm-hmm. whether it was a poster, uh, urging people to go register to vote, whether it was a photograph, you know, or a demonstration, something like that. So I was drawn toward these images, uh, uh, and uh, I had photographers like Gordon Parks and things like that, one of my favorite photographers. Um, And so uh, I would take my camera and shoot these street images, Mm. And then on the weekends, I would load my van up and go out in the community and frame my pictures, you know, and uh, I go to these festivals that way. And then in doing that, I became uh, aware of of, uh, artists from around the world, from around the country. And I was drawn particularly toward African art at this time. Uh, A lot of it abstract, but most of it figurative work by African artists. And... uh, I wound up opening up a gallery um, while I was still at the archives. Mm -hmm. And when I got to the point where I felt that I could uh, do this, you know, I I resigned at the archives and opened up an art gallery. And I carried the works of, uh, as I said, I concentrated on African-American artists. Yeah. Um, And uh, the artists like Elizabeth Catlett, um, Thornton Dowell, who was a folk artist, who would make his art from found objects, you know, make this huge collage of, of just things he would find in his yard. Yeah, wow. You know, and, and make these wonderful pieces of artwork. Um, Benny Andrews, uh, Romeo Bearden, Jacob Lawrence, you know, all these people. Those were some of my favorites. And, and uh, so I just kind of immersed myself in their artwork and I mm-hmm. eventually began to carry, not the original works, I couldn't afford mm-hmm. them, but I carried <laughs> yeah. the reproductions, the posters and things like that, serographs, um, lithographs and things like that. Um, wow. And uh, that became another way of, form of activism, you mm-hmm. know, Continuing to push these positive images yes. uh, that uplifted African-American people mm-hmm. because we needed that. Yeah. And we still do. And uh, 
and to let them know that there were these working artists out there who were actually making a living yeah, with yeah. their artwork, you know. And so that was important. So that was another form of activism in itself. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I'm, and I mentioned before that I probably wouldn't uh, recognize all, because I'm not, I, I love art, but I'm not into like finding uh, the, who mm-hmm. the people are. I just see it on image. I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. Uh, so I'm definitely going to go ahead and check out some of these, these particular yeah, artists and, and, and people it, can Google that too. Yeah, and, and the beauty of it was, was, you know, you're, you're, you're uplifting the artists themselves. You're giving them venues that they never had before. Mm, yeah. Uh, because African-American artists had, very limited ways to show their works, you know. Mm. Um, uh, it's opened up quite a bit now, but of course, but at that time, mm-hmm. uh, the options were very limited. So it was wow. important that they get to show their work at some venue. Well, that's good. Well, let me ask you this, uh, as far as kind of just some, some rapid fire, uh, we like to talk. Um, I like to eat. I have different venues and places that yeah. I like to eat. Is there a particular food that you like or a place that you like to go, like a restaurant? Yeah. Um, uh, that you I, enjoy? I go to a lot of West Indian okay. food joints. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, I got an affinity for that. My wife used to work for United Airlines when we met. Okay. And uh, we'd go down to the West Indies quite a bit and uh, develop an affinity for that. That's great. But Is there any any particular nothing place? Like, nothing like good old down-home Southern soul food <laughs> as well, right. you know? <laughs> So. Is there any place uh, in, in in Atlanta that I need to check out that has some good uh, food? Uh, yeah, uh, beautiful restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's called the Beautiful Restaurant. Okay, on the south side, um, Virgil's Grill. Okay, okay. It's in East Point. You know, um, that's great. This is it. Soul food. Uh, Virgil uh, Virgil's Guller Restaurant. Is, okay. is is in in, uh, in East Point. That's okay. a nice restaurant as well. But um, I'll need my friend I, Prabhu. He he knows a little bit more about uh, yeah. Atlanta than I do, so we can yeah. maybe take a trip up there and yeah. go check out some There's of these so places. There's so many places. We, now. It seems yeah. like every week somebody's opened up a new joint. You know. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, do you do you have do you have a favorite sport that you like to watch or like to play or engage in or? Uh, I never played. Uh, organized sports, but mm-hmm. I would. I used to play sandlot football growing up. I like to watch football. Okay, I've been watching the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, March Madness. Oh um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Final Four. I like to watch sports. You know. Yes. Um, I uh, I studied karate uh, for about five or six years. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that came later on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Okay, uh, do you have a family, a favorite family or a friend activity that you like to do? Uh, I like gallery hopping. That's okay. That's my my wife and I. We like we love to go to. We have these Friday. Uh, I also worked at the High Museum of Art. I okay, if, yeah, I, I I looked that up. That's yeah, a beautiful yeah. place. And so that came after the gallery closed. Okay. <laughs> but right. I continued in that same mode in terms of working for the High Museum of Art. Oh, wow. So uh, we spent a lot of time uh, visiting galleries. Mm-hmm. You know, on Fridays evening, there's usually an opening or something like that. You go yeah. in to view Check the artwork and you meet new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we, we like doing that. I love it. I love it. All right, last question. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Uh, I want to go, well, 
I want to go back to Africa. I've only been there once. Okay. And uh, where in Africa do you? Ghana. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there's so many places I want to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no one place that I could I could pick out. But yeah. uh, uh, would you like to do some more traveling? I'd love to do okay. more traveling. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Of course. That's great. I uh, I have a, a friend of mine who I recently met the last two years. He's a church planner. He's a pastor. Mm-hmm. He's from Malawi, and mm. and my son has always been intrigued with Africa. And I told him when he turned 13, 14, that we would go kind of on a vision trip mm-hmm. over there. We'd maybe spend a, a week or two yeah. uh, with, with our pastor friend and, and get a chance to see that area yeah. and see if it's something that he wants to continue to pursue, you know, by yeah. being there and things like that. But he always tells me how beautiful it is there. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so. uh, it's, it's been over, this was during the uh, early 80s, you know, so much has changed since mm-hmm. that time, you know. So yeah. I'd like to go back and... Yeah. Uh, um, wasn't quite ready when I first went because mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't. Uh, I missed out on a lot of things, and mm-hmm. uh, it was only for maybe a few days, you know. But I'd yeah. like to go back and spend some time there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Where, uh, when, where, and what is it? That was at my gallery. Um, that was probably um, mid '80s. Yeah. And that artist, William Tolliver, he passed away about nine years ago, very mm-hmm. young age, from Louisiana. Wow. And, uh, but this, 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 this guy is great. And mm-hmm. uh, that picture was taken uh, during the National Black Arts Festival, which is annual celebration in Atlanta. And uh, uh I always remember that photograph because that was the year that Cicely Tyson, the actress, came mm. by the gallery. Oh wow! And bought one of his pieces. Yeah. No way. Yeah, and I uh, got to beat her during that that year. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And the fact that might have been the piece of artwork that she got. Okay. Yeah, I was about sure. to ask. Do you would you know where that piece is currently, yeah. or but maybe? Yeah. yeah, I think that's the piece she actually bought. Wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. Where'd you get that? No, that's, that's your Facebook profile. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a joy to learn a little bit Thanks more about you and, and what's going on uh, with this museum that's coming. We're really excited about it. Um, and just for the future of Americas, we want to continue to see us move in the right direction. Um, and so thank you so much for your efforts and for your diligence, like I said. Um, and so... Um, yeah, and we'd love to have you back maybe when it's complete or maybe there's a particular thing that we can promote together. So I'd be glad to come back and give updates and what have you. Awesome. Uh, it's hard to give a timetable right now in terms of when it might be completed mm-hmm. uh, because it's, I'm learning as we go along and that the process is, 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 is there are yes. a lot of things that have to be worked out in terms of construction, reconstruction, and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But I will try and keep you as informed as we can. Yeah. Keep the community informed. Yeah, so yeah, I absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're thankful that it's coming. And, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we've got um, any 
any benchmarks, just continue to post it. You guys have a Facebook yes. uh, uh, page that you can also follow with some of those updates. Exactly. So if you have something, you can message uh, you all and, and or at least email you, okay. um, and and the people can reach out to you individually too if they're, if they're interested. So great, awesome. Well, like I said, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, and um, and we look forward to the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Man, this was a blessing to us, definitely. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it.